Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. Praise the Lord. It's really good to be here this morning with everybody in Las Vegas, Nevada. What a great church, great folks, love God and love his will and what he's doing in your life. And I really thank you for this opportunity. Pastor asked me to do this for him and uh, we're all praying for him and I'm glad that he's recovering out of this COVID virus thing. And uh, you know, the Lord is just moving in a great way. And I wanna share some things with you that I think that is very important for us as believers to understand. And especially as we gather where the church or the body of Christ, we know we have an enemy and he is out to deceive us. He paints a picture and then he says this picture is what is real, but it isn't. And so it's a battle over what's real, what's not real. And he deceives the whole world. This is his weapon is through his deceptions. Jesus completely defeated the devil. And so uh, it's his only weapon left is to deceive us. So he paints his picture. And he wants us to think that our power, our, our ability, our influence comes from different things that are not true. He wants us to believe that our power is political. And we've been going through a lot of uh, political change lately. And, uh, the, and, and we get upset and we uh, either get angry or we get scared or we get happy because we think that our uh, power is coming from politics, but it isn't. Or he wants us to think that our power is financial, that I can only do what I have money to do. I can't afford this. And so our whole life is geared and directed by what's in the bank. And our power comes from that, or our status. If I only had a position, if I had a certain position, you know, if I was a pastor, or if I was the worship leader, or if I was the boss of the company, and so we struggle, and we almost uh, either fall into despair because we don't feel we have a correct position, or we get lifted up in pride, and then we get angry because everybody's not submitting to me or obeying me. Don't you know who I am? So these are all areas that uh, influence us, and and we begin to feel my life is actually out of those areas when it isn't true. So I feel that there's three things. I, I wanna talk about three things this morning, and one of them is the presence of God, the second thing is the gospel, and the third thing is the birthright. Now let's think about the presence of God. And I wanna to go to Exodus chapter uh, 33, and this is a really, uh, uh, it, it, in some ways, it's humorous, but it's also tragic. Moses has taken Israel out of Egypt. They're free. 
they had been liberated by Egypt. The power of Egypt has broken and they are no longer slaves. And God is leading them to a promised land. So as they're on their journey, and we know and we've heard many sermons about the wilderness and what people did in the wilderness, but it comes to a certain place in Hebrews chapter 33, the Lord says to Moses, now watch this, the Lord says to Moses, depart and go up from here, you and the people who you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. God made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You're going to have this land. Now go ahead and go into that land. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. This is a picture of prosperity and joy. Oh, man, wonderful. For I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. God is actually saying, you go ahead and go because you're going to get this land. I promise you, and I don't break my promise. This is a covenant I made, and you're going to possess this land flowing with milk and honey. But I myself, the presence, the presence of God is not going. It's fascinating to me that the promises will be Israel's, but the presence of God is not going to be there. And the reason he says, I'm not going, is because you're a stiff-necked people. Now, Moses responds to this. And watch what he says here in Exodus 33 again. He says in verse 13, he says, Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, now God responds, and he says, okay, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Now Moses responds to that, and he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us. So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Moses is saying to God, God is saying, number one, I'm not going, but I'll give you the promise. I'll give you the land, flow of milk and honey, and you'll be a prosperous people, but I'm not going. Moses said, if I have found grace, I want to know you, and I want to know your way. If your presence does not go, then don't take us up. Where were they? They were in the wilderness. They were in the desert. They were going in circles. And Moses would rather live in the wilderness than be without the presence of God. Okay. I believe we're kind of losing the value of the presence of God. Do you realize that we are a people, when you are born again and Jesus comes into your life, yes, he does forgive you of your sins, but he abides the very presence of God. The same presence I read about here in Exodus 33 abides within you. The presence of God. 
I believe the church has lost the value there. Something has happened, and I believe God is awakening us to the reality of what makes us a different people. It's not money. It's not the building. It's not position. Is that I carry the presence of God. And wherever I go, his presence goes. And when his presence enters into any environment, it changes. You change. People say, oh, you're going to change the world, brother. Well, let me tell you, every believer is changing the world without saying anything because they carry the presence of God. They think that I got to change the world by changing some circumstance or, or having a big church or uh, get a bunch of people to follow me on Twitter. Folks, I'm telling you something so powerful here that I carry the very presence of God. I feel the presence of God now. We sang today. We worshiped God. His presence came. Do you realize what that means? Do you realize that the presence of God is upon each one of us? And the Lord said something here to Moses that is so powerful. He says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. You cannot have rest or peace separate from the presence of God. Yes, God told Moses, my angel's going to go before me and he'll, and he'll overcome all those giants, all those nations. He'll defeat all of your enemies. And you'll have wealth, you'll have house, you'll live in a land full of milk and honey. But there's going to be something absent. You can have all of that and no peace. Peace and rest comes from the presence of the Lord. The Bible in the New Testament even tells us, he says, to labor to enter his rest. So what does that mean? I labor to enter the presence of God. And as I enter the presence of God, I begin to have the rest. And then I am separated from the whole world because I carry the presence of God. You and I must become entertained by his presence. People go to church and the music's bad or the lights aren't good or it's too cold or too hot. The service is too long. See, they're wanting to be entertained. And instead of being entertained by the presence of God, they have become lovers of pleasure more than of God. And if the preacher don't please you, or if the congregation doesn't please the preacher, then we're not happy. We're not content. And you can have everything perfect lined up with for you, but you'll never have the rest because the rest comes from the presence of God. I want to be entertained by the presence of the Lord. That is what church is about. We call it the house of God. We call it a service, church, service, church being the body of Christ. The entertainment is his presence. Oh, I could spend a long time. Could you folks, come on now. To be in the presence of God, to let him speak to you, to let him minister to you and you to minister to the Lord and begin to tell him how much you love him, how much he means to you, that you're so grateful. That presence of God is what separates us. Not the name of the building, not a name of a fellowship, not, not a position, a pastor, whatever. That, that is nothing compared to the presence of the Lord. Now quickly, the second thing is, 
is found in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, and that is the gospel. You see, the gospel is called the good news. And uh, I want to read about it because it is the gospel, it is the message that I carry. I not only have the presence of God, but I'm able to say certain things. And what I say, if it is the gospel, then it is the very power of God. Watch this. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, in, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So we not only have the presence of God, but I have the news. I'm a carrier, not of COVID. I am a carrier of the good news. And if I tell you the good news and you believe in the good news, there is a power that is released into your life called the power of God. And what the power of God will do is bring you unto salvation. Salvation is not just my sins being forgiven. Salvation isn't me quitting taking dope and, and uh, quit drinking booze and, and chasing people around and acting like an animal. It, 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 salvation means wholeness. It means instead of being a fractured individual, the pieces begin to come together. Salvation is the removing of corruption and death out of my life. Yes, it, first of all, immediately my sins are forgiven. Sin is not just uh, uh, not doing, you know, or doing something bad and I should have done this instead of that. Sin is missing the mark. This is why back to Moses, he said, God, I want to know you and know your way. The way of God is life and life everlasting. So the message, the gospel, the good news is the power of God. It's not trying to get people to come to a church. It's them believing the message. And once they believe the message, the power of God comes into their life. This is why uh, Paul writes, he says, my message was not in word only, but in power and demonstration. What does that mean? That means that I come preaching the good news. I tell you the good news today, that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that Jesus Christ wants you to quit doing your thing and allow him to show you his way. You can have personal relationship with Jesus. Right now, as you listen to this video, watching me in this church service, you can give your heart to Jesus. And the moment you believe in that message, the power of God will begin to go to work in your life to remove those things that are destroying you, those things that are robbing you of life that you don't even know. You have an internal disease that's eating you up. You can try to be good. You can be good. You can be moral. You can have a job. You can have family. What? But there's that thing, that gnawing disease in your life that is robbing you of contentment and satisfaction and value. That sin and the power of God 
removes that and brings wholeness into your life. It says also that in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. Righteousness, big word, and it has many facets to it, but the one thing I want you to see about righteousness is just the word right. God will make things right. He loves you. He loves this, this humanity. He loves this earth. Yes, he does. He loves nature. He loves the animal. He, he, he created. We are his creation. And things aren't right, but he will make them right. Now, folks, this is why it says that we walk by faith. That is, it's written, the just will live by faith. See, is everything right right now? No, but it will be. And I walk in faith because I believe in the power of God. It's demonstrated immediately in my life, just my life. God changed me because I believed the message. It wasn't the person that even told me that it isn't the church I began to go to. That, that church built certain, wasn't the power that changed me. It was the message and contained within that message is his power. That's why to preach the word. When I preach the word right now, that word is going out. And as you believe this word, I've read the scripture. As you believe this, the power of God goes to work in your life to make things right. I had a relative one time that he, he just mentally tormented. As a matter of fact, it, was a, it, it wasn't just for a brief time, it was most his life. And he was in a rest home, actually, in a young, not old. He was in hospice. He was, they thought he was just gonna die. There was not anything physically wrong with him, but his mind and something that was not right in him. I went to see him and uh, I said, hey, I got a bunch of sermons for you. Just listen to these. <laughs> it's, um, it's crazy to me, right? That, here's some sermons of mine. Just listen to these, would you? But he did. And I don't know how many he listened to, but he got out of that hospice. And the next thing I knew, he was living down in Phoenix. I was in Flagstaff. And all of a sudden, I'm in my front yard, and lo and behold, he pulls up in his car, he jumps out, and he, he's completely different. And I, I was shocked. I was shocked because, how did this happen? It was not because of any medication. It was not because of money. It was not because he got a better job, or a new house, or clothes, or car. It wasn't because he got married or divorced is because he simply heard the word of God and that word, the power of that word, began to make right his life. Now, was everything perfect? Oh, no, no. He struggled greatly. And, uh, he's passed away now and I'll see him again. But the thing is, it began a process of making things right. And the righteousness of God is he's gonna make everything right. Not just your life, but this world. He will make this world right. Now, not, it, it doesn't look like it now, but it will. And that is the faith that I walk by. The final thought is a birthright. We understand the scripture says in Ephesians chapter two, 
Well, before I read that, let me read John chapter one. It says, as many as received him, Jesus, as many as received the word that became flesh, you received that word, the good news. In that, it says to them, he gave the right or the authority to become children of God and to those who believe in his name. When I believed in the good news, I became a child of God. And that child of God has a right, and it is the birthright. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17, and he came and preached peace. Jesus came and he preached the good news, peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. Two classes of people he's talking here without reading the whole book. He's talking about Jews and he's talking about non-Jews. The, the whole world was basically divided into two groups, at least to the Jew, okay, to the natural Jew. There were the Jews and everything else. There was the Jews and the Gentiles. And only the Jews had a right to God. And that, and that was true. They were the people of God. They had a covenant with God. They had access to God. The rest of the nations did not. Jesus came and he took those that were near and those that were afar, you and me. We weren't a Jew. We weren't uh, born a Jew. No, I'm German or Italian or Mexican or Canadian or whatever. All the other nations. Jesus preached peace. He took both groups and made one new man. He reconciled them together. Together, there is not this separation. Uh, we're confused. We think the Jews by natural descent are special. No, sir. They are brought back together. Read the scripture. It says, he came, preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through him, we have been made into one man and we have access to by one spirit to the Father. There's not a first class, second class Christian. We are on the same level. We've been grafted into the vine, whether the natural branch or the wild branch, it's the one vine who is God, who is Jesus Christ, and we've been grafted in. Now being grafted in, I have a right. And that right has been given to me by birth. And what is that right? I have access to the Father. Wow, let that dawn on you. You may not have a nickel in your pocket. There may not be one person that knows your name in your neighborhood. You might be faithfully working at a job for 10 years and the boss don't even know you exist. It doesn't matter. You don't need a big break. You're not looking for your ship to come in. You have access to the Father. You do, from a child to an old man, to a young woman, to a mother, to a lawyer, to unemployed, to homeless that have been born again. They have access to the Father. How can I complain? How can I gripe about life? How can I say, man, I ain't getting a fair deal? How can I... Bellyache because of the color of my skin. I'm being abused because of the color of my skin. I have access. Does it matter your color? 
It doesn't matter your nationality, nor does it matter your sex, male or female. You have access to the Father. Have you gone to him lately? Have you ran into his house? See, we come to church. You can come to church all you want. But never take advantage of the access, the power, the authority you have to come to the Father. Do you know who the Father is? He is the judge of the earth that does all things right. When someone comes and says, could you pray for me? We just, you know, say some little ditty prayer. No, I have access to the Father. See, uh, you hear a certain terminology today. My prayers are with you. We hear about somebody going through real heartache or someone even dies. My prayer is with the family. What do they mean by that? My prayer is with them? No. My prayer is I have access to the Father. And I am able to come to the Father and sit down with the Father and commune with the Father and ask the Father, Father, what's going on? What's going on in that boy's life? my children's life. How am I to pray? I, I don't really even know how to pray. Can you give me some insight? We call that insight revelation. The Spirit of God begins to speak to you. You don't have to go through another person. You go directly to the Father. Can I tell you angels can't do that? Gabriel can't. Michael can't. <laughs> Lucifer definitely can't. They have to be invited in. They have to have the right protocol to come in. And they just can't come in anytime they want. But you and I, because of a birthright, have access to the Father. This makes prayer the most powerful thing the church does. Prayer changes lives. Prayer changes and drives out things that should not be there, binding and loosing. What power, what authority the church has, and yet we say we're weak because the building's closed. Suffering persecution. No, sir. I've not lost any power because I still have his presence. I'm still telling you the good news. I can hear the word of God, and God begins to fix me, and I have access to the Father. I'd like to read to you the book of James chapter 5, and just give you a little bit of, little taste here, because that's what James is writing to the believers, and he's saying, look, you believers, you're not like the Levitical priesthood anymore. You didn't have to be from the tribe of Levi to get into the presence of God. You can walk right in. You can boldly come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. And so he's writing them, and he he says some certain things. He says, is any among you suffering? Let him pray. What does that mean? Let, are you suffering? Well, I'm, I'm sure many of you are. Let him pray. Does that mean God get, I got to stop this suffering? Would you please do something about it? It definitely includes that. I don't want to suffer. <laughs> no one signs up. Oh, give, me, give me some suffering. He says, let him pray. What does that mean? I want to have access to the Father. So I come to the Father. Father, you're still Father, and I'm still your child. This suffering does not separate. I'm still your child by birthright. You gave me that power when I believed in the word that became flesh. And so I'm able to go into the presence of God in my suffering. And he just kind of leaves it there. 
Because, see, this is a personal. Your suffering is a personal thing. No one suffers like you because no one's like you. I can sympathize. I can imagine. But my suffering is, is personal. So I go to the Father. He goes, is any cheerful? Let him sing songs. Let him, let him sing the scriptures. Just sing a melody in your heart. He goes on, is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Catch this, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, he wants them to really believe that word. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man works much power. And he takes Elijah as an example out of the Old Testament. Now, if you know anything about Elijah, he was a prophet. And he says that he was a nature like ours. In other words, he was just like us. He's just a man. No, no, nothing special. The, the, the power of that man was not because of him. It wasn't because he was moral or he followed the law. He had a nature just like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Here's a man with a nature just like ours, and yet he was able to pray and change weather. He changed a course of nature. Nature, your rain comes at seasons and, and it stops, and you have summer and fall and spring, all these seasons that bring uh, rain and waters the earth. God created it that way. But yet this man had prayer that could change even the course of nature. He stopped it. He's a no more rain. For three and a half years, folks, three uh, seasons go by, half goes by, and then he says it'll rain, and then it, and then it did. He says, if that man had power such as that in his prayer, so do you. So do you. So let us be aware. Let us really come alive to the presence of God and to the good news and that I have a birthright that I'm able to come into the very presence of God. See, I, I tell you, you can't even get to me. We're doing this through a viral or video and, and streaming and so on. You, this is all uh, technological magic, but I have access, personal access. There's no social distancing between you and God. You don't have to wear a mask. You come in with an open face, face to face, and you can speak to him about any issue in your life, and you can pray earnestly, and you begin to hear his voice and his word, and you pray in agreement with that, and it'll change the course of nature some people's lives that you're interceding for, by nature, they're headed to destruction. It's just a natural event of things, but you're able to change that. You'll be able to bring some moisture and rain into their life. Or maybe you need to stop some of this flood of suffering. That's the power of your prayer. And we're going to pray right now. And we are in the presence of God. Father, I thank you for your presence. Oh, Lord, let us all be entertained, not by 
just the entertainment of the world, but oh, Father, to be able to sit in your presence and simply be entertained by your presence. Father, I'm glad that you have filled our mouth with good things, that we may speak the gospel. And as we speak the good news that Jesus is alive and he is loved and he is able to fix anything, and if you only believe, be not afraid, but only believe, that good news fills our mouth with good things that will even renew my youth like an eagle's. And Father, I'm so glad. I will not sell out my birthright. I won't give it to some other thing or person. I have a right to come to the presence of the Father and sit with him and commune with him. I pray, Father, this be made alive to this church in Las Vegas. I want to tell you folks something. I sense in my heart today, you are put right in a city where he wants you. And at times it's hard and difficult, but you are changing things. Things are changing. Not See, you walk by faith. How can it not change? You're carrying the presence of God. I know your pastor and the team and family. I love them dearly. They're just wonderful people. Just, it's family. And they're faithful to stick to the stuff. And the faithfulness is changing. Just like salt changes the flavor, like light chases away darkness. It's happening. I sense that power of the Lord because you're not falling into despair. You're not giving over to the circumstances of the world. The world's in trouble, but you're not. But you continue to preach that good news. Preach the word. Talk to one another. Sing the songs. Are you suffering? It's, a, it's an invitation to come boldly to the Father. Thank you. God bless you. You are always in my thoughts.